the family by going into business. When he made a nice little fortune out of biscuits, the family discovered that business, the manufacturing side of course, was really quite respectable nowadays. The best people go in for it. No one should be ashamed of putting his talents to their best use and so forth. But Osmond Melbury, retiring on his father's early death from the atmosphere of biscuits, to take his place in the county, had no idea of sharing out the profits of his bourgeois occupation amongst his gentlemanly brothers and uncles. He laid out some of his fortune in well-planned donations, which secured in time the baronetcy he desired. He fitted the old house with electric light and sumptuous bathrooms, and he did it well. He also made it known to his children that they should be liberally endowed if they married suitably. His plans did not seem to be working out very well, when Hilda, at the age of nineteen, married the artist Carl Winford. I gather that Sir Osmond would have raised no objection to Hilda's engagement, provided that she didn't marry Carl, until it became quite certain that he was generally recognised as a great artist. Sir Osmond would even have given him commissions— and helped him to get others. But Hilda was in love, and in no mood to submit to this sort of bargain. Carl died about three years later, leaving Hilda with a baby daughter and a great many pictures. The art critics had already noticed Carl, and his death caused a bit of a boom in his pictures, which at the end of the war, when people had money, helped Hilda a good deal. But she had worked pretty hard to educate her daughter Carol, and her father had never helped her at all, except to invite her and the girl to stay at Flaxmere occasionally. The queer part of all this is that Hilda, who was originally her father's favourite, has remained fond of him. At any rate, she seems to be, though it's nearly incredible. She must be nearly forty now, and looks it, probably because of the hard time she's been through. She will say, I can see father's point of view. The old simply cannot understand that the young can't wait. She will never say more than that, and one feels that she'd never fail in that sort of understanding herself, however old she might be. I'm certain that she can't help feeling pretty sore that her father wouldn't even fork out a few hundreds, which she'd hardly miss, to give her daughter Carol, who is now eighteen, the training she wants. The girl is keen to be an architect, and that costs more than Hilda knows how to scrape together. Four years after Hilda's marriage in 1920, Lady Melbury died. I was eleven then, and I can just remember her as a lovely, gracious woman, who looked older than the mothers of most of my friends, and yet was much less fussy and obstructive and easier to confide in. She left two-thirds of her small personal fortune to Hilda and the rest to Jennifer, as if she realised, even then, that Edith and Eleanor, the other two daughters, would earn their father's reward for obedient children, whilst Jennifer might well be glad of the slight help that little portion could give her in escaping from Sir Osmond's tyranny. After Lady Melbury's death, Sir Osmond's unmarried sister went to live at Flaxmere and to preside over the social functions which were so important 
because they were to provide Edith, then age seventeen, and later Eleanor, with suitable husbands, and George, who was just twenty-one, with a dutiful wife. Aunt Mildred did her work well. Edith, generally known as Ditty, married Sir David Evershot amid great but decently restrained family rejoicing. But although they have now been married ten years, there are no children, a fact which Sir Osmond strongly disapproves. Ditty says they can't afford children. What she means, of course, is that they might not be able to manage Kitzbühel and Cannes and Scotland every year for a few years. Sir Osmond has threatened to cut them out of his will if they don't produce offspring. He has a theory that what he calls good stock, that is to say, Melbury's, ought to do their best to counterbalance the too numerous progeny of the less worthy.